the first verse of Hebrews 9 says, then indeed, comma. What does that imply? It's almost like therefore. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's therefore. So if it's therefore or then indeed, what should we do? Let's go back a few verses and see what see what was said. And, he, and he's been talking about you know a better covenant. Remember in Jeremiah 31, uh, there, there's there there days coming where we're going to have a better covenant. We're going to have a better mediator. We're going to it's just going to be better. So he says, then indeed after going through all of that, he wants to say this, and he's going to talk. Uh, 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 quite a bit, I mean, about some details about the first covenant with the, the, uh, uh, the sacrifices, all of the details, not all the details, but some of the details of the first. Then he's going to make a, a, a contrast. So I'm not going to spend just a ton of time, but yet I want us to, in order to understand what Jesus did, and because he talked about this being a earthly, what does earthly imply? It's going to be temporary. It's going to be temporary. He says that it's, uh, uh, the, the first tabernacle was a tent. Anybody in here to live in a tent full time? No. Hope not. There are people that do, unfortunately. But we don't live in a tent. It's temporary. It's earthly. It's, uh, it's not going to last. It's just not going to last. So uh, that's the idea of this. This tabernacle... Uh, was made out of skins. Remember all of that? All of it? And, and, and they were supposed to be made a certain way, weren't they? Uh, the best, the best, the best fabric, the best tapestries, the best, the best everything. Even though it was temporary, why? Why? Why would that be important? God said, "See that you do it according to the pattern." Pattern is real important with God. He doesn't leave uh, it up to well. Y'all just do kind of do what you want. Just kind of do what you want. He's never operated that way, and he certainly does not operate that way today. You know, we, it's uh, uh, there's just no authority for things. Uh, a lot of things we see in the religious world today, there's just not. So he says that that this is temporary. Now, when you go over to First Kings eight, he talks about there are sacred objects. Well, let me back up a step. You've got. The holy, what they call the holy place. This is during their wandering. Their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. <coughs> because of their disobedience. Um, did, 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 did Jewish people have access to God on a daily basis? or They didn't. They didn't. Uh, they had priests who, who uh, offered sacrifices for them. Um, and once a year the high priest went in. Uh, to offer sacrifices and uh, uh, for the people, but they did not have access to God on a daily basis uh, like we have today. What changed? Do we have access to God on a daily basis if we choose to access it? We sure do. Why? Because of Jesus. We'll see this now when we get around verse 8, 9, 10, and so on, but uh, I, I digress a little bit. But even under this shadow, this model, this copy, this earthly, this temporary, during the, the Jewish wandering in the wilderness with Moses, uh, there were sacred objects in there. Could you just wander into the holy place or the most holy place if you were... Uh, well, you could, 
that's your last day on, on the earth. Even the high priest who went into the most holy place, the Bible calls it, one time a year. What if he says, you know, if going in one time of the year is good, think I'd be good if I went in twice. Or what if I went in weekly or monthly? He'd be dead too. God specified in this in this um, in this tabernacle, this 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 tent, there was a holy place in the front. And what was it separated by? A veil. Now the priest, and they had to come from the tribe of Levi. They they burnt sacrifice or they they burnt incense and and all of these things here. And then once a year, the high the high priest got to pull that veil back and come back into the holy of holies, about most holy place. Once a year, that's it. So as he's comparing and contrasting this old system of doing things. Uh, we, we see how much better it is with Jesus. Remember that in the uh, they had a lampstand there. We've seen the Jewish lampstands. How many um, they were filled with oil and the wicks. The the priests they were God was so precise. They had to keep the the, the wicks trimmed so they were the same. You can't have one big long wick. Uh, that's not symmetrical. God wasn't going to have these. I want my wicks tr trimmed when you burn it. And you're going to burn uh, incense. Did, did he even have a compound for incense? Yeah. A perfumer. And it had to be, frank, you know, myrrh and frank, all these things. And it had to be a certain compound. And then if you were the person making that, you said, you know, that sounds pretty good. I want to make some of that because my wife would love to smell that. Well, good luck on that. He said, you should not even... Uh, don't duplicate this incense that you're burning to me because if you do, that's your last day. That's holy incense. You couldn't take that compound and go and make, uh, uh, commercialize it. He said, no, no, no. That's how precise this old law was. Uh, there was a table of showbread. When I say the word showbread, what was that? How long was it uh, laying on this table. God said, I want you to make it fresh every week. Fresh. And it's going to lay here for a week. Now what happens on day eight after this week is up? Who gets, what happens to that old showbread? Throw it out? No. The priest got to eat it. Not the new, the old. We're replacing the uh, old bread with the new bread. And, and that was, I'll show you some representations of some of that stuff in a little bit. So that was in this first place. That was just that wasn't in where God's uh, presence was, so to speak. Then they had, according to Leviticus 18, the most holy place. Now I know this is maybe for some who's hearing this for the first time, going, "Dude, you're talking in Greek." I know that uh, it, it, it is to you, you get the hang of and, and, and study. There was a golden censer there. There was the Ark of the Covenant. Well, what was that series of uh, where they were searching for the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, search for the... Oh. What is it? Indiana Jones. That's what they're looking for. This right here, this Ark of the Covenant, it was solid gold, overlaid gold, and inside of it, it had the golden, uh, uh, the golden pot, 
And what did it contain? Aaron's rod that budded. What else? The manna that God fed, a representation of what God, how God took care of His people in the, uh, in the, in the desert. The stone tablets, what did that, uh, what was that about? The Ten Commandments. So God said, while you're out wandering for 40 years, which most of you are going to die in the wilderness because of disobedience, that's fine. Um, you're going to respect me and honor me, and you're not going to just wander in uh, this because these are the rules, these are regulations. Now we're going to go, wow, that's something. Well, we haven't seen anything yet. Let's wait to see what Jesus, uh, how, how he changed all of that when he came uh, 2,000 years ago. All right, I, I know I'm. You get a drink of water out of a fifty-foot garden hose. I, I understand that. Um, <clears throat> um, oh, I, yeah, I did want to touch on this. So, in this this incense, this burnt offering, what does the Book of Revelation uh, talk about? Uh, the incense that comes up to God's smell, if you will. What is that? The prayers of the saints. In other words. God's always on the case. He, he's not some old bearded white man sitting in the corner <laughs> rocking in a chair saying, these people bugging me down there. I wish they'd leave me alone. No, 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 no. Not at all. Um, this, this incense, for us, according to Revelation chapter 5 and some others, it, it's, it's the uh, uh, prayers of His people that He's listening to. And that, have you heard the term in the, on the news, particularly uh, one time a year, Yom Kippur? That you know, the the in Israel today, <clears throat> that's the Day of Atonement. That's the day, the one day, that the high priest got to go in to the most holy place in God's presence. And what was he going in there? How's it going? Well, what was his purpose for going in there? First of all, he's offering sins for uh, 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 a sin offering for himself. Now remember, this is blood of bulls and goats. We're going to see the real blood here in a minute, and, and, and uh, comparing and contrasting that. But this was a big deal. So the priest would go outside, and he would kill a bull for himself, the blood, and he would put it on the horn. You know, remember all of that. Uh, then he would go, he would offer that, and before he went into the most holy place, he went outside and killed the goat, and brought that blood in for the sins of the people. And that was a, that was a huge uh, uh, orchestration, of, uh, you know, going on. And we're going to see the simplicity of of, of what Jesus, uh, how how he accesses God on our behalf. Uh, so the golden pot of manna, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, when in 40 years, what were the people? Uh, were, how are you going to? You're going to grow a garden in the in the in a desert for 40 years. <laughs> First of all, you're not going to be there long enough to, to harvest it. Number two, it's not going to grow there anyway. There's no rain. It's kind of like the desert here. So they needed a miraculous food. God said, "I can do that." Every morning. From heaven, there, there was this yellow wafer that tasted like honey. But eventually, what, what, what did they get tired of? Had enough of this manna. I wish God would send us some meat. That's what I'm talking about. Meat. Did He do that? He sent, he sent uh, quail. 
And he said, it'll come out your noses when, when, uh, when, when I get through with you. Bunch of complainers. And it did. They had quail that it was coming out their noses. Uh, tired of all the complaining, God said. So, but anyway, Aaron's rod that budded, Aaron, what tribe was he from? Levi. Well, what's the big deal with Levi? The tribe. There are twelve tribes. What are you? You prejudiced against the other eleven? That's where the priests came from. Because remember, we talked a few verses back. What tribe was Jesus from physically? Judah. Judah. Could he have been a priest under the old law? He could not. You had to come from the tribe of Levi. The tables of stone, the Ten Commandments. What happened to the original Ten Commandments? Remember that? He's up on the came down with them, and, and what were the people doing? Worshiping a golden idol. They were worshiping a golden idol, and he said, so he crashed the uh, original ten. God gave him ten more. That's what's in this thing inside this most holy place. And this is also interesting to note that Josephus. The first century Roman historian. He was not a Christian. He had no axe to grind. He was not pro-Christian. But he was a historian. A very accurate historian. And he is quoted as saying that in this most holy place, in the temple, remember they, when they got to Israel, to, Beth, uh, to uh, Jerusalem, they built the temple. But all this stuff's gone. It's gone. It's destroyed. Josephus said, there's nothing in it. They had put a rock in there to represent the original Ark of the Covenant. Because it had been gone. They don't, nobody knows where the Ark of the Covenant is, even today. So, uh, historian said, we have the temple, we have the holy place, most holy place. Problem is, nothing in it. Which is interesting, I thought. And uh, somebody want to turn to Jeremiah... Chapter 3, verse 16, and read that. I mean, you may have to go to 17 as well, but uh, if you get there, just, just, just go ahead and start reading, if you would. <coughs> Jeremiah 3, verse 16. <coughs> Excuse me. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord, that they will say no more, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, it shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it, nor shall it be made any more. Do you want me to do 17? Yeah, please. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Jeremiah said, there's a day coming this is really important now, and God had strict rules about it. The day's coming, this, this, not going, this is going away. Not going to be here anymore. Not going to be able to find it, trace it, and Indiana Jones can search until the cows come home. Uh, it's gone. Because you know what we could do with it if we found it. We worship it. People would. Mm -hmm. So it's all gone. It served its purpose. It was a tent, it was a temporary. It was a tent. It was a shadow. It was all. It was just temporary. Now we're going to get to the real here in just a minute. I had to say all of that. Now Paul Harvey used to say. Now we'll talk about the rest of the story. Um, oh, 
One other thing. <laughs> One other thing. In this most holy place, forget the dimensions. Oh, I should have written that down. It was a square. They had two cherubs, or two angels that were facing one another, and they're, they're, they were gold. Their golden wings touched the wall. It covered the whole thing. And that symbolizes in the middle there was God's presence to them. Um, okay, here's the bottom line. Chapters 9 and chapters 10. That's what, that's what we've all said. I've, I've, I've talked 10, 12 minutes about that. Now let's look. That's quite uh, That was quite a um, heavy thing to bear if you were a Jew. You were God's people in those days. He said, look, there's a better sacrifice coming. Instead of killing the th hundreds of thousands of bulls and goats and blood knee-deep, and so on. What's the better sacrifice? Jesus. Jesus and His blood. How many times did He enter into the most holy place? One time. One time. Better system. Christianity. We needed that to get us to where we are, God said. Uh, it's, it has better blood. You know, we, we're going to talk about it verse 9, uh, verse 9 to 2, about the conscience um, think about this. People had sin just like people have sins today. The reason you couldn't get your conscience clean was how does an animal's blood cleanse a human's blood, uh, a human sin? It doesn't. God, through His grace and mercy, put up with it and rolled it forward, if you will. Use that. Allow me to use that term. But there's better blood coming. That was Jesus Christ. And with that comes a new covenant. A new covenant. Uh, and, and what is that? What's, we'll call it His church, if you will. The, the, his new law. His new law. The, 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 the church, if you will. His people. All right. I will let that just kind of stay up there. I won't spend any more time on that. I've touched some of that anyway. Now, verse 9. We touched a little bit on it Wednesday. Greg will get it in chapter 10. Chapter 9 and chapter 10. It's this word, it's this idea of a conscience. Um, look at verse 9. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered. Now notice, this is the old law. What we just talked about here, all of this, all of this big production in verse 9, chapter 9 says, cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Someone turned to Titus, that's in the New Testament, Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. Now let's get down what this means to you and me today. We didn't live 2,000 years ago. We were, we're not Jews. We're Gentiles, so to speak. Titus 1 and verse 15. To the pure are all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. 
but even their minds and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, no, that's okay. but it works it. That, okay, perfect, thank you. Yeah. Now what is our conscience? It says that under this old system, before Jesus came, it didn't purify the conscience. Jesus' blood purifies the conscience. Now, we, I guess we all define the term. What is conscience? Our conscience. Just give me a, give me one, Michelle. There are several things, but go ahead. It is our inner feeling of something wrong. Okay. Right. Are you saying there's a, a, a moral standard? Yeah. That's internal uh -huh. to to each person. Uh, that's true. Anything that's good. Anything else? A little bit more, but anything else? Well, I'm going to say it's our knowledge of right and wrong. Okay, sorry. Uh, oh, that's good, Tony. Our knowledge of right and wrong. Now, can our conscience be trained incorrectly? Yeah. Yeah. It can. It can. All right. We can train our conscience where, well, I don't see anything wrong with this, I don't see anything wrong with that, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's the way I was trained. Well, maybe that, that training was incorrect. The training is based on knowledge of, of, the, of the Bible. So if that's the case, I think it is, then under this uh, old law with, with the blood of, of, of bulls and goats, the people knew they should have known. I'm a human being. I sin, and, and he's accepting at least right now the blood of goats and bulls. Your conscience would bother you. It, it would bother you. Now turn to, and I'm going to prove this. Just go to Micah ch chapter six, verse six, Old Testament. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, you know all of that. So we're going to go to Micah, Old Testament, toward the end. Micah 6 and verse 6 following. Now listen real carefully. This is Micah the prophet talking. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings? With calves that are a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? What's bothering him? His conscience is bothering him. He knew that he just said, if I had ten thousand rivers of oil, that's not, that doesn't cleanse my conscience. If I gave my firstborn as a sacrifice, who would want to do that? <clears throat> that? That wouldn't solve my conscience. The old law, all of this, uh, God in His grace rolled those sins forward. I'll prove that in a second. But it didn't cleanse people in here. It didn't cleanse Micah, a, a, a religious guy. <clears throat> he said, if I gave the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, Talk about his first firstborn son. So even in the Old Testament, I, I think that's a that's a major glimpse into this difference between the conscience and and um, 
versus all these external things. Does everybody kind of see the, see that a little bit? Well, okay, if, if the blood of animals didn't cleanse your conscience, what about the blood of a human being? Human blood sacrificed for human beings. Now, Jesus was God, of course, 100%. But he was also a man. He bled just like we do. He hurt just like we do. He got his feelings hurt just like we do. He was disappointed just like we can be disappointed. He was, he, 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 so when he died, the Bible says your conscience should be clean now when, you're, when your sins are forgiven you. This, these aren't bloods. And these, these aren't bulls and goats. This is, this is God himself. This is his son who shed his blood for a worm like me. So your conscience should be clean. It wasn't under the old law. Make a little bit of sense? Okay, Michelle. We have a conscience, but we also have our obligation to learn from those sins and not commit them again. No, no, we have, we have our part. Could we turn from our sins and do anything without Jesus? We no. could not. We could not. But he does require us to do our part. Mm -hmm. He does require us to do our part. We saw that this morning. We have to hear this word and believe it. Either we believe it or we don't. We have to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> we believe that or we don't. That's what, you know. We have to confess our sins. Well, that implies that you're a sinner. Not everybody believes that. We've all sinned. And then you're baptized to wash away your sins. And we touched on it for some of you were here. Go to 1 Peter 3, uh, chapter 3 and verse 21. Read this. This is what baptism does for you. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 21 says this. There is also uh, an antitype, uh, an example, if you will which now saves us. Now, I didn't write this. The Bible's real clear. What saves us? Baptism. Not the removal of, not because you're dirty. Physically, you can take a bath at home. That water doesn't do that, but notice. But the answer of a good conscience before God. What does baptism do? It washes away your sins. Yes, it, it does. How does it do that? I don't know. I don't know. God does the work there, according to Ephesians, or Romans. But the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what this Jesus' blood, this new law, His church, uh, this better priesthood, uh, we're not going to be able, was that the first bell or the second bell? First. Okay. okay. Notice in verse 11, we'll finish this up on Wednesday, we'll get some application, but Christ came as our high priest. Remember we said how this high priest entered into the presence of God once a year, this man? Verse, 10, uh, verse 11 says, but Christ came as our high priest. Of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect, what? Tabernacle. This was the old tabernacle of the old law. It said, this Jesus is coming as our a better high priest 
with a better tabernacle. That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Now, what, 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 who's, who's in the most holy place under this old situation? God himself. So, when Jesus died and shed his blood for us, he entered into the most holy place. Where is that? It's in heaven. In God's presence. Well, what's he doing? Playing pinochle? No. He's pleading our case for, for us. For us. But he only had to die one time. He only had to die one time. And we're thankful for that. In verse uh, 13, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offer Him? Remember, all these sacrifices, could you take a lame one? What if this one died? He's going to die anyway. I'll offer Him to God. How'd that work for you? You were killed too. You could. He said, don't bring me your lame and your blind, and I don't, I don't even want their legs shorter and longer than the other one. These have to be perfect under this old, imperfect shadow of a law. You don't mess with God. He, he's not to be trifled with when it comes to, to what He uh, asks of us, what He demands of us. He offered Himself without spot, or, or, uh, without spot to God, notice, to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. And for this reason, he's the mediator. What did we say a mediator was again? We see that in law. We see it in, in all kinds of business. You got folks not getting along. So you get a mediator. Well, who's not getting along? Who's not getting along? God and, his, and, and, and mankind. They, we rebelled against God. So he sent his son to be a mediator. Did Jesus understand God? He was God. Did he understand us? How did he understand us? He lived like us. He was a human being. You see that? So he says, he was our mediator of a better covenant. Not this. And in verse 15, we touched on it a little bit of Wednesday. We'll stop right here. And for this reason, he is a mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first law. What happened to all those Billions of sins under the first law for a thousand, fifteen hundred years. Doesn't say use the word roll forward, but they were pushed forward. God was, uh, was okay with it for then, but when His Son came for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, He forgave with His own blood all the sins under the first covenant as well. It's not not the easiest stuff. I get it. Boy, we're, we're right in the middle of something right now. It's, <clears throat> There's a lot, a lot. To, it doesn't take much to understand what it takes to become a Christian, but you got to, you got to study on this a while. But any questions, comments at all? Now Wednesday night, I'm not going to talk nearly that much. We're going. Pardon? Oh, we got singing Wednesday night. Sorry. Once a month singing. Next Sunday we will finish up right here, and we're going to make some applications. All right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you.